Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Question for you. Do you remember what you were doing 13 years ago? 13 years ago would have been October 2000. Uh, 2000. Right? October of 2000. I was a youth pastor. I didn't know where Ray was. I was a youth pastor at a fairly large church in uh, Littleton, Colorado. Um, hadn't been there very long. Started there in 1999. Uh, Bailey was born in December of 1999. So she, at this point of time, looking back, was 10 months old. And Sammy was born of August of 98. So uh, he was under two years old. 13 years ago. Where were you? What was life like? Who was here that is no longer? Uh, What were you able to do maybe that you can no longer do? What do you wish you wouldn't have done that you did? 13 years ago is is quite a long time. Uh, In some people's case, it's a lifetime. Uh, In some people's case, it's longer than a lifetime. Davy didn't come along until 2002. So 13 years is longer than Dave has been around. We didn't know him and didn't have any clue we'd be experiencing Dave 13 years later. 13 years doesn't seem like long, but it's a long time, especially when you think about it from that perspective. When you think about what's transpired these last 13 years in Ray in your life. Um. We've been looking at Abraham and Abraham, when he first is introduced to us in the Bible is 75, 75 years old, a little longer than 13 years. But when we first encounter him and God introduces us to him and God speaks to him, Abraham is 75 years old. His wife is 65 years old. They got married when he was 25 and she was 15. I don't know how that worked out maybe 26 and 16. We don't have the backstory on that, but there's a 10 year gap age gap between them. And God does something to Abraham. He, he speaks into his life and he says, Hey, since you're such an upstanding citizen, I want you to go to the land. I'll show you. Now, if you've been here the last several weeks, you know that's not true. That's not what God said. He didn't have the part, since you're such an upstanding citizen part. He just found Abram, who lived in Ur of the Chaldees, who was a pagan worshiping, uh, pagan idol worshiping man. There was nothing about Abram that would have made you say, oh yeah, he's the one that God will pick. He's a good dude. If anybody's going to pick him, If anybody's going to pick somebody, it's going to be Abraham. If God's going to pick anybody, it's going to be Abram. There's nothing that Abram was or did that would have endeared God to him. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. And Abram was 75 years old. 
Not only that, he had several strikes against him for God to pick him. It actually looked from the ancient world's point of view that Abram was not one of God's favorites. He and his wife, Sarai, could not have children. They had zip zero kids. All their friends are grandparents and great-grandparents. And they got nada, nothing, zilch. And to top it off, his name means exalted father or exalted daddy. <laughs> Isn't that just cruel? So even to introduce himself reminds him of what he's not. You ever felt that way? Sometimes I feel that way when I go to preacher conferences. Sometimes you're reminded of what you're not sometimes. And Abram was reminded of what he wasn't every single time he said, hi, I'm Abram. Oh, exalted father. Well, I don't have any kids. Really? You're 75 without any kids? Well, I guess that ain't going to get fixed. And the story continues and we see that he goes to the land God will show him. And we see that he didn't do exactly what God told him to do. He said, leave your family. And he didn't completely leave his family. He brought Lot uh, his nephew, and he, he probably should have left him behind, but he didn't. Um, and things get a little crazy for a while. And then uh, to try to make this whole promised heir thing happen, Sarai gives Abram her slave girl. And by the way, ladies, you can imagine how that went. There's one too many wives in the tent. And it doesn't work out well. And that's the story that we ended up with last week. And it's like Abram is doing all he can to make his life a train wreck. There's times where he gets it amazingly right. And then there's other times it's like, what? And chapter 17, he's due for a good chapter, isn't he? I mean, chapter 16, we had the whole Jerry Springer episode. We had the whole paternity test thing and and we had sister wives going on and it was just a mess. And, and chapter 17, we're due for something good to happen. And when we first pick this up, I want to remind you where we were in chapter 16. 16, verse 16. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. 86. 75. 11, right? It's been 11 years since God told Abram, I'm going to make you into a great nation. 11 years. They finally decide, let's do something about this because God's not quite on the program. And so the whole Hagar Ishmael episode of last week. Now, when you go to verse one of chapter 17, when Abram was, how old is he? 99. Years old. That's 13 years. Remember, what were you doing 13 years ago? How long of a time is 13 years? How long of a time is 13 years to wait for something? How long of a time is 13 years to not only wait for something, but to wait for something that God promised you he would do? And not only that, it's 13 Years plus he was 75 when we're first introduced to him. It's 24 years. Man, God's slow. 
Now, my guess is when you've read this, you know, this would be on January 17th, this chapter here, when you begin the one-year Bible. When, when you read this, you probably were having foggy memory of, of January 16th, and you didn't see that that gap there between 16 and 17 was a 13-year gap. Because when you read it, it takes you like a couple minutes. There's a 13-year gap between 16-16 and 17-1. Maybe if you like to write in your Bible, you could put 13 with an arrow. If you have fear of the number 13, get over it. 13 years. I don't know about you, but there are times that I get insanely discouraged with how long things take. I don't know about you, but there are times I get insanely frustrated with how slow God seems to be to get things done. You ever feel that? By the way, this is the first time, not the first time, but one of the first times in the Bible that we have God showing us how he chooses to interact with people. One of the first times he chooses to interact with somebody in scripture and it's Abram and God is pretty slow in getting things. Just hurry up and say done, would you? We've all sat in those sermons, haven't we? Oh my gosh, that's painful. I, don't worry, I'll speed up. I will talk faster. Perhaps this is God's MO. Perhaps this is the way God normally does stuff. The question is why? Why would he be so slow at getting things done? Isn't he God? Can't he just speak and it comes into existence? Doesn't he just, you know, he's an American, right? He just gets the job done. I mean, have you watched a game outside of the Broncos this season? It takes forever those other teams to get to the line of scrimmage. It is slow. It's like, holy cow, they're going to use the whole 45-second clock? I mean, come on, let's go. We got like 70, 80 plays to run. Everything in our culture, everything in our lives is speeding up. Everything except it feels for God. Everything in our lives is about getting there quicker, getting the job done faster, more efficiently, sooner, having it now. Thank God for microwaves, right? It's all about now. And perhaps God's way of dealing with us is slow. You know, some of you wonder when God is going to show up for you. When is he going to show up? When is he going to get this marriage fixed for me? When is he going to get this kid straightened out? When is this job going to come to an end so I can move on to the next phase of my life? When is my spouse going to get it? When is... How long did it take you to get into that mess? How long did it take you for that marriage to start to to drift? How long did it take... For that kid to 
to rebel and get to the stage they're at? How long did it take for that job to blow up in your face? How long did it take? We often think that faith is God getting the job done for us right now. But see, faith is great faith. Great faith is years of trust, not overnight success. Great faith is years of trust and not overnight success. And I don't care what the preachers of L.A. say. I don't care what any televangelist might tell you. That's not biblical to think that if you believe it, God will make it happen. You just speak it into existence. You can think it into existence. Just think happy thoughts and it's all going to work out okay. Do you think Abram has been thinking happy thoughts for 24 years? And by the way, God showed up and told him. Anybody can lay claim to that one? Anyone? I mean, this is God told him in the Bible, told him. Not just, well, I was eating burritos down at, and then at night I heard, and then I think this is what God wants me to do. I mean, this is... God's word telling us what God's word was to Abram. (laughs) God really did say this. You are someone whose name will be made great. I will make you into a nation. Cool. Let's get cracking. Let's make this happen. He said it like last week. Something should have happened by now. 11 years rolls by. Well, maybe we need to take matters into our own hands. Here, here's Hagar. Another year rolls by. Nothing from God. They don't need... It's possible that Hagar and Sarai and Abram think, cool, problem solved at this point. We've got the air. We figured it out. God hasn't shown up in a while. He hasn't told us, hey, that was wrong. Nice one. And by the way, some of you would like God to show up and tell you things, right? Hey, that was wrong. Oh, sorry. Hey, great job. Attaboy. girl. <laughs> awesome. But instead of any response from God, it's 13 years. <laughs> In their culture, Ishmael is getting ready to get married. Ishmael is not far from being a young man. Ishmael is not far from being the guy who's going to inherit all that Abram has when Abram finally does die. And at 13, God shows up. What does God say? Does he say, hey, great job. You were right. It is Ishmael. I don't think he's going to say that. I am God Almighty. If you like that Amy Grant song from way back when, El Shaddai, that's the word there. First time it appears in Scripture, it'll show up another 50 times. Interesting. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. His first words to Abram are about his obligations to be obedient to God. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And blameless means uh, just that. Be blameless. Don't let anybody point a finger of blame at you. Anybody getting a little nervous with that requirement? 
But here it can also mean that he is ready to turn from sin. He's ready to turn from his sinful ways. And then again, God promises, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to, I'm going to greatly increase your name numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, exalted father. Your name will be Abraham. And then God tells us what it means. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. God is narrowing the promise. He's making it clearer what he's promised. He started out by saying, go to the land, I'll show you. And I'll give you, uh, I'll make your name great and a nation will come from you. And now it's getting narrower and narrower. And here again, he says, then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be oh, circumcised. Man, we're only 17 pages into this book and it's already going to talk about this. <laughs> Minor surgery for males. Why does God choose that? Well, maybe we'll talk about that. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant so either way something's going to get cut off it's god's humor not mine i'm just reading the bible here either you're going to have major minor surgery or you're going to be cut off from the people your choice abram your choice descendants <laughs> now you're wishing man why did my kids come with me to church god also said to abram as or Abraham, because his name has changed. As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Now her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. Oh, that's new information. Okay. We haven't heard that yet. In 24 years, God has not revealed that part of the script. What do you think Abram, Abraham's response will be? I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, <laughs> will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And then God smited Abraham because he laughed in God's, oh wait. That's the paraphrase from Steve. And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. 
I love that Abraham laughs. And I love that God does not get upset. I think God thinks this is funny too. I mean, they're in the section at Walmart for Depends, and they're going to have to be going to the section of Walmart for Pampers here soon, too. I mean, this is going to be the first geriatric ward with the maternity ward inside of it. This is just not normal. And the response is, what? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, since you didn't believe. Isn't that what we picture sometimes God being like? Don't we picture God being like that? Oh, I'm just so little faith and God's just going to smite me down. There's some preachers out there would have you believe that. There's some preachers out there who want to scare you into following God and scare you into heaven. I see a God who's messing with us. I see a God who goes, hey, guys, watch this. (laughs) This is going to be funny. 100-year-old dude, 90-year-old woman. They're going to have a baby. (laughs) What? Yeah, they're going to have a baby. Watch this. It's going to be funny. Now, Abraham is thinking, okay, new information. And he doesn't seem to like the information because he pleads for Ishmael. Wait a minute. We got the air thing taken care of. Besides, we're sleeping in separate tents, God, at this point. We don't need to have an air from her. We've got Ishmael. Bless him. Make him the heir. Then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac, which means giggles. Because this is funny. Whenever you introduce Isaac. (laughs) Oh, is that your great grandson? (laughs) No, this is my kid. What's his name? (laughs) Giggles. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's a good one. No, really, that's my kid. His name is Giggles. No, come on. I'm serious. I mean, that's funny. You don't even have to know Hebrew to get that one, right? You have a son. His name will be Giggles. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. (laughs) I love it that God has a sense of humor. I really like humor. You might've figured that out by now. And I love that we serve a funny God. Not like funny, haha, but no. Anyways, he's a funny God. And he likes funny name changes. Did you catch the name change? Abram, exalted father. He doesn't even have a kid yet. Well, he has Ishmael. That was kind of a weird story. To father of many nations, Abraham. (laughs) really father of many nations i'm 99 yeah i know isn't it funny 
Sarai, her name means the family princess. And her name is being changed to Sarah, the princess of many nations. Or the princess of the nations. (laughs) She didn't even have a kid yet. How are we going to be the princess of many nations? And then I'm going to give you a kid and you're going to name him Giggles. And you've got to like a God who changes names. And by the way, I'm sure when Sarah and when Isaac found out what his name meant and when Abraham heard this, he thought, God, that is a stupid name. Why don't call me old wrinkly guy who still hangs out with God sometimes, you know? Why, why are you changing my name to the father of many nations? And some of you, you come to church now, and that's kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, some of you feel that way, I'm sure. I can't believe I come to church. I, I never pictured myself here. I thought the church would fall in on everybody if I came. And God is so interested in changing you from what you used to be and making you who you really are. Who God has always meant for you to be. And you and your friends might be thinking, man, that is a stupid name. But when you follow God, he renames you and he says, you are my child. (laughs) What? Me, a child of God? Not only that, you are an heir of God. (laughs) Me, an heir to the throne of God? (laughs) And not only that, you're called a saint in scripture. (laughs) What? A saint? Me? And and not only that, you're called the beloved. The one God loves. Me? God loves me? You see, God seems to love these stupid name changes. He loves to take people like Abram and change him to Abraham and Sarai and change it to Sarah. And he loves to take a guy in the New Testament. His name was Simon. And he was just a knucklehead. And he always spoke before he thought. I can relate to him. And he would often stick his foot in his mouth. And Jesus saw something in Simon. He said, I'm going to name you Peter, which means rock. And his friends were like, oh, yeah, because that's what's in his head. And Jesus said, no, because he's rock solid. What? You're going to take flimsy, goofy Peter, Simon, I mean, and now he's like the rock of the church? (laughs) Or how about when God renamed a guy named Saul who liked to go around and kill Christians, and he changed his name to Paul and said, you're going to be a church planner. (laughs) What? No, I kill them. Well, you, you should know some, then you can get going on the whole church planning thing. And some of us, we look at where we were 5, 10, 13 years ago. And we think, God's plan has been rather stupid for me. Stupid in a good way. Because when my friends look at me and they look at the changes in my life and they go, man, there really must be a God. There must be. There's no other explanation. God loves to change us 
more than he loves to bless us. We don't really want the change, do we? We want the blessing. Think of the songs we sing. Think of the prayers we say. We often think, Lord, bless me. Bless me. Bless mine. Bless America. Bless my home. Bless my church. Bless, bless, bless. Do we pray for change? Do we pray that we would be changed, that we would be given a new name, a stupid name? Because God seems to love to give stupid names. I mean, it's stupid to think that Steve is no longer thought by God as sinner. But is thought of by God as saint. Saint Stephen. No, he's the guy in Acts. The first martyr. No, says God, he's you. (laughs) Me? God loves these name changes. And he wants to change you more than he wants to bless you. He wants to change your life and he wants your changed life to impact other people. He wants your changed life to be demonstration that yes, there must, there has to be. It's the only way to explain it. There is a God because I knew him or her before. (laughs) And the only way I can explain this is there must be a God. Because no amount of willpower, no amount of attendance at church, no amount of trying harder would have ever made these changes. It's only by the grace of God that they could have been changed. Well, the story goes on and I won't read it to you, but uh, the Covenant is fulfilled that very day. Abram takes a flint knife, a very sharp rock, and circumcises himself and his son and all the men in his household. And by the way, a few chapters ago, we saw Abram run it, ride into battle and he had 300 and some guys with him. And that was 13, 15, 20 odd years ago. And all, all those men had sons and uh, this is a lot of guys, 600, 800 guys. And did you know that one of the best times to attack someone is <laughs> when they've had minor surgery? And this opens up Abraham and his men and his possessions to attack And to to carry out circumcision that very day, because that's what it says. He did it that very day. Shows amazing obedience. You see, we want the blessing, but we don't want to be obedient. This is the next ow in the sermon. You see, many of us know, we know what God wants of us. We know what he wants us to do. We don't want to do it. Do you think Abraham was like, all right, let's go. This is going to be an awesome day. 
Do you think the men in his household were like, <laughs> excuse me, let me go get my sword. Just a moment. I'll be back in a minute. No, I'm telling you, God told me, oh, really? Well, until God tells me, I ain't letting you near. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing obedience. Just think of the current against him. Just think of the resistance. We can't get our kids to take the trash out. Hey, come here, boy. Minor surgery today. What? And go get your brother. And go get the kid down the street. And go get those other people. I mean, this is crazy obedience. And Abraham obeys. He obeys when God tells him to do it. He does it. And some of you are wondering, when's God going to show up? When's God going to help me out? When's God going to do this? When is it going to get better? And he keeps telling you, um, obey. Do what I asked. Do what's clearly spelled out in this thing. You see, we're changed by obedience. We're changed by obedience. God's grace changes us, but we also change by obedience. And so if you want to change, if you want to be a different person, if you want to experience more of God, he's ready and willing. He is right there. His grace is there. He wants you to experience more of him. But a part of experiencing more of him is you got to change. You've got to obey. We play a role in this. And many times we think, I want God to show up and tell me what to do. And most of the time he has shown up and he's told us what to do. Oh, but I wanted it to be different. Well, it hasn't changed. Abraham obeyed. He obeyed and he was changed. He was changed and he obeyed. There's a connection there. I don't know how exactly it works. But I do know that when I experience more of God's grace, it makes me want to obey. And when I obey, I seem to experience more of God's grace. It seems to be some kind of system that God made in the world. You know, this was modeled to me by my parents. When I would mess up, they would extend grace to me, which would make me motivated to, okay, yeah, I don't want to mess up like that. I'll do it right next time. And then I would obey, which led to more grace. I would obey and then be like, hey, you can stay out a little later tonight because we trust you. Oh, cool. And then when I messed up, um, yeah, you need to be home by eight in bed. Locked down. But as I obeyed, the grace grew. But my obedience was spurred by grace. The same thing happens in our lives with God. There's grace And there's obedience and there's obedience and there's grace. And it's like this engine that revs up and it feeds itself. And the more you do it, the more you want it. And the more obedience and the more grace and the more further along the the path of being a disciple you become. So where will you be in 13 years? For some of you. The answer probably was, I'm not going to be here. And I hope and pray that you will be in heaven. You'll be present with the Lord. 
But for those who you pretty much can assume, yeah, I'll be here 13 years from now. Who will you be? What will you be like? How will God's grace and your obedience, how will it have worked to change you? And most of us can look back 13 years ago and go, man, if I could have the same amount of change that I've had in the last 13 years, I would take that. But now you know the secret. There's this this turbo that you can attach to the engine of spiritual growth. There's this turbo of, of obedience and grace, and you can just supercharge that. And you can grow more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for Abraham and his life and uh, the impact he's had in this world. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to understand this whole dynamic of grace and obedience. We thank you that you extend grace to us when we fail, because we fail often and we will continue to fail you. But we also thank you that uh, when we obey, that that obedience is honored and we can grow. And it leads to more grace in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would change us, give us new names. Help us not to believe the name we've given ourselves or the name that others have given us. Help us only listen to you in your name for us. Father, I do pray that those who came hopeless this morning would experience you in new ways and that they would hear a new name spoken into their lives by your grace. And they would obediently walk out in that name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May you know who you are in Christ. May you walk in obedience because of God's grace. Amen.